Hello, and welcome into the Emergent CF Podcast. I'm Eric Ozempa. Today, I'm proud to be joined by Monica Moranti, um, who is the Senior Director of Philanthropic Services at Central New York Community Foundation. Thank you so much for joining me, Monica. Oh, thanks for having me on, Eric. Well, you know, we have known each other for a few years, Mm -hmm. so I thought um, you actually stepped up. You want to be the third victim or fourth victim. I can't remember. (laughs) So I thank you so much for joining me today and to come on and talk about what's going on in Central New York. Well, it's my pleasure. So first of all, I wanted to get into kind of the fluffy stuff a little bit. So I understand you have a collection of T-Rexes. So I saw that actually posted to social media. So it's really no secret. So. (laughs) <laughs> I do. I have a, a bunch of um, T-Rexes and T-Rex memorabilia and cartoons and clippings that I find in my office at the Community Foundation. Just sort of a a, a fun little interest that I have and, and people have sort of caught on to it. So anytime they, they see something uh, with a T-Rex on it, they'll share it with me. I actually have a about a, an 18-inch tall um, stuffed T-Rex, like a plush T-Rex. That is um, sort of a therapy animal for our office. So if somebody's having a bad day, they'll find it on their chair when they get back. <laughs> I, I suppose we could all have worse therapy animals, I suppose. Or ther- <laughs> therapy stuffed spirit animals, I suppose. Right. Um, so I was going to ask you, uh, what are you listening to? Podcast, watching, reading these days, really either in the field or just for fun? Well, there's there's no shortage of material to to read. Um, you know, uh, keeping up on news in our sector for sure. Um, outside of our um, work material, I just finished a book called "Stillness Is the Key" by Ryan Halliday. Um, really great book. He's written a few uh, in that series. It's a, a nonfiction, um, sort of a a, a synergy of. Uh, uh, Eastern and, and Western philosophies approaching uh, problem solving and leadership and uh, motivation using the concepts and philosophies of uh, the Stoics, um, oh, wow. Marcus Aurelius and, and Seneca. And that, sound, that makes it sound a lot more complex and boring than the book actually is. I Sounds pretty weighty. A little weighty. I, I was know, asking, yeah. a, we're recording this everyone on Friday and she's giving me, uh, she's giving me Socratic method and <laughs> the skeptics and yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I'm aiming high here. Yeah. I really Stoic, sorry. Aiming. Yeah. Stoics for those who are going <laughs> to get mad at me, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, other than that, I, I, for fun, I just finished a, a, a program on, oh, gosh, I'm, I think it was Hulu or, or, um, HBO. Uh, it was the BBC, um, version of ghosts. There's an American version of that series as well. Oh my gosh. I loved it. I love BBC programming anyway. Um, but that was fun. So just wrapped that up. Um, other than that, I've been doing a lot of reading, uh, sort of tied into current events, um, about world war two, just trying to get my arms around what happened. Um, back in 1938, because I, I've heard people drawing comparisons to what's happening in the Ukraine, to what happened last century. And I'm a big believer in learning from history. So um, rather than, you know, a, a particular book or anything, really just articles and um, and seeking out uh, material so I can 
learn a little bit more about what happened and see how we're doing things differently, hopefully this time. No, I think it's great to be, um, to get some background history perspective on what things were going on in the past and, um, and hopefully we won't repeat those mistakes, but we will, we will obviously see we're living in the moment. Um, so getting on to, uh, your programs over at central New York, um, uh, can you, um, first of all, real quickly, I want to go back. So the book you said, what was, can you repeat it one more time? I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. It, it's called, uh, the stillness is the key. Okay. Thank and you it much. was by Ryan holiday. Okay. Thanks so much. I just want to make mm-hmm. sure our listeners got that. Um, so what are the programs, projects, initiatives? Can you name maybe a, a couple that you're really proud of or some things that have presented some challenges? Sure. Uh, one that, that we really, uh, are, are, excited about and, and proud of is our Black Equity and Excellence um, Fund. This was a uh, an initiative that we started a few years ago. Um, not, and and I, I feel like I'm not going to do it justice. There are so many things that led to the creation of this initiative in this fund. Um, you know, the, the murder of George Floyd, the um, groundswell of uh, I guess, uh, awakening of people who, who've been asleep for a long time, you know, um, to racial inequity in our country. Um, and as, as a white person, I, I 100%, you know, I'm, I'm in that group, uh, of, of people who just thought, oh, things are getting better. Um, without realizing that I was one of those people who had to make things better. Uh, and so uh, as a whole, our, our organization has been um, on a journey, our staff, our board, and one of the outcomes of that was our, our Black Equity and Excellence Fund. It is a funding initiative that seeks to support uh, Black-led nonprofits um, and find uh solutions to fund projects that we might not typically uh, support through our our traditional grant making. For example, you know, finding, you know, fiscal sponsors to support entities that might not fit what we would typically see as a a fundable, you know, nonprofit because the need is there and the the progress is there and um, making more of an effort to find those funding opportunities. And the, the fund is, um, funding decisions are overseen by a, a volunteer council of Black leaders in our community. Um, it was uh, initiated and developed and, and crafted and molded um, by staff members at the foundation who are Black. Um, and that, I think that's really important. And those decisions and that line of thinking is something that um, I'm, I'm happy with, and I'm, I'm proud to share, you know, um, about, uh, so we're, we're happy with how that's going. And I, I'm excited to, um, to see that people are, are recognizing it and, and asking about it. And we're, we're getting, um, some stories written about it. Um, Fantastic. So that's, that's great. I want to clarify, is it, it, would you entitle it like a giving circle? Do you, would you, would you call it something like that? Or is it something totally different than say a giving circle? It's not a giving circle. Okay. It is funded by the community foundation. We, okay. our board said, we're going to put, you know, we're, we're committing this amount of money to this initiative. We certainly have donors who give to it. 
Um, but it's not um, a giving circle where you you have to give to it and then have say in the, the funding decision. Um, that uh, that's a, a different kind of model. Okay. And then um, the other thing I wanted to ask you is you were talking about fiscal sponsorships and maybe organizations that didn't fit. And is I take it Central New York is not wanting to be a fiscal agent for an, uh, for nonprofits and such. And so you're you're really linking them to other organizations that actually might be willing to take on that fiscal responsibility, if you will. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's I think that's a, a um, that's a good way to describe it. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Um, is there something else that you wanted to talk about? I think that's fantastic work. And I know a lot of people be interested in learning more and they certainly probably can find out more on your website. Um, Mm -hmm. cnycf.org, I believe is the correct website. So they can find out more about the black equity initiative over there. So, um, what other success stories related to either fundraising or other projects that you're uh, working on over it in New York? Mm -hmm. Uh, well, we have... I'm really excited and proud of, of how we have grown our legacy program um, at the Community Foundation. Uh, and we, we get uh, a lot of um, questions about it from other foundations. And that, that signals to me like, oh, this must be something that, you know, we're, we're getting some traction on, you know, if, if our peers are, are noticing it. Um, our approach to legacy giving has really been through storytelling. Um, and making the idea of leaving a, a legacy, a charitable legacy to our community, very accessible to people. Uh, and it's, uh, it's a long game. You know, it's, it's different from the kind of fund development that, you know, development officers are, are used to. But, uh, and it also takes a little bit of buy-in, I think, from, um, from key players at, at an institution, I I'm really proud that our our CEO and our board were open to the idea of okay, we're going to approach a state giving in a completely different way than we have before. Um, it's not going to be just signing a form or you know having a um, uh, a listing of, of donors. Although we do that, you know, we, we do list legacy society donors. It was really a deeper dive and a more holistic approach um, to to building our legacy society. And I'm I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm really proud that with the work that we've done so far. So how did how did your legacy society? You were talking about you know people in the community foundation who might've been less appreciative of how long it takes. Like, how did you, did you feel like there needed to be a culture change or did you feel like you had it or how did that, how did that work out? Cause I know a lot of organizations would be, you know, uh, just impatient. They want dollars in the door and they're not really looking at a longer time horizon. So did that, was that a culture change or was that something that you already had inherently? Uh, well, we're we're fortunate in that you know our um, our, our board is pretty forward thinking, and they really do listen to um, to staff and and see staff as as the experts in our field. So we're we're really fortunate in that, in that way. But you mentioned you know um, culture. I think that it's that's a common refrain across the nonprofit sector. It's it's hard to when you're trying to make numbers, you know, and you're trying to demonstrate. Um, progress and, and meet the metrics to press pause and say, wait, we're going <laughs> to, 
<laughs> we're going to try this new thing with legacy giving. You know, we might not have any numbers associated with it, but I promise it's going to be great. Um, so, you know, we we don't track expectancies related to estate gifts when we um, bring people into our legacy society, for example. Um, I know that's a big pressure point for, for people working in development shops, um, both inside and outside the community foundation field. Um, how do you, how do you measure, you know, that you're, you're getting the message across that leaving a portion of your estate to charity is, is meaningful. Um, so I, I really give a lot of credit to, um, you know, the leaders of our organization to be open to that. And it's, it's worked, which is great. To clarify, do you not have like an assigned dollar minimum value or something like that you're placing on any legacy gift? You're just saying that we have been notified that we might be in a bequest. Is that mm -hmm. enough? Is that sufficient? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And we have different ways to capture that information and in our database. And so, um, you know, we are able to translate whatever information a donor gives us into um, the metrics that we share, you know, with um, our staff and our board. Um, and, you know, that kind of architecture uh, helps us demonstrate progress in a different way from just dollars and cents. Right. And then um, you said that the approach was different too with your legacy program. Can you be a little bit more detailed about that? Because you, you did probably what most people, organizations do, like, hey, give us a bequest. And a lot of us just say, okay, well, we've said it. So it must be working, right? It must work. So um, give us a give us some details about what what you actually did enact. Mm -hmm. I think that the you know I talked about the story approach instead of you know saying you know we'd love you to leave part of your <laughs> your estate to us. Um, we asked people what their motivations were for giving, um, and uh, asked us to tell them you know share their charitable story with us. Uh, that kind of trust building, I think, and that starting that conversation is a little bit different of an approach. Um, and it it sort of opens people up. And, and when they start talking about, you know, well, what are my, how did I learn about giving? Where did, how did I learn to be generous? You know, why do I, why do I love the arts? You know, why, why is education, you know, so important to me? Um it's like, it's a self-realization <laughs> process. All this sounds really squishy. Um, so I, let me add a little bit of structure to it. Um, because a big part of our, our, uh, legacy giving program was, a, a an awareness campaign that we developed, um, back in 2015, I think it's called the five for CNY initiative. And um, it was a really strategic messaging campaign uh, that was built on data that was collected back in uh, 2010 from a transfer of wealth study. And it was astounding. This, this study um, told us that, you know, uh, about $22 billion or, or more than 40% of our region's wealth would be changing hands from one generation to the next um, over the following decade, you know, and um, that, that that level of wealth, you know, continues to, to occur, but the, the numbers were just crazy. And we, we thought, well, gosh, if, if we could harness even just 5% of that and devote it to 
charity, imagine the difference that we could make in our community. So this idea that was generated, you know, after seeing these, you know, this data that came back from the survey grew into um, the Five for CNY campaign. And it helped people get their arms around the idea that um, they could make a difference um, with charitable giving after they're gone. Uh, and it's, I, I think that one of the stumbling blocks for people is thinking of um, leaving money from your estate to charity is, is something that rich people do. <laughs> and, um, you know, and, uh, you know, that's, that's how you get, you know, names on buildings at colleges and that, oh gosh, that's not me. I've lived in the same house for the past 40 years in the suburbs, you know, um, 2.5 bedrooms and, you know, half bath. Um, and, and this, so this five for CNY, that, that 5% percentage is, is very translatable to, to, to everyone. And the great thing about the community foundation model is however that 5% looks, you know, whether it's a $2.5 million estate gift or a $25,000 estate gift, it still can be used to, um, you know, raise all the boats. Um, yeah, and it's not, it's, there isn't like a cutoff, meaning it's not exclusive, like only to the uber wealthy. Yeah, I mean, it's very approachable in the sense that if you have a $25,000 estate, maybe 5% goes to you. And maybe that's not, you know, where you're targeting, obviously, but but it's nice that it's inclusive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And that, that person's name is listed right next to, you know, the person who might be leaving us, you know, 2.5 million or, or mm-hmm. 20.5 million dollars in, in the legacy society. Um, the amount isn't as important is the acknowledgement that there are people who want to who care about the community who want to take care of it, even when they're no longer here. So what would you suggest to other community foundations that are looking to maybe amplify their legacy program? Um, some many of them don't have legacy programs. Some of them. Uh, maybe our fledgling, you know, what would you suggest to, uh, it sounds like it's been successful. So what would you suggest as far as, um, you know, uh, ways or tactics that they could use? Mm-hmm. Well, we're, we're certainly not the only um, community foundation who's done this. So I think connecting with, um, with peers in the field and just asking, you know, what are you guys doing? What's worked? What hasn't mm-hmm. worked? You know, would you be willing to share your materials? How did you develop your program? I, I find a lot of value in um, using some of the forums that are out there and uh, in, in professional associations or more informally just having a, a, you know, the five people who you always reach out to who are like, what are you guys doing about this? You know, <laughs> um, the, another great thing about community foundations is that we don't really compete with each other. So sharing that knowledge and um, and uh, tools and materials is an, a, a great benefit of being in this field. I think it's so smart what you said. Uh, I think you hit upon kind of a theme that's happened in the podcast as a lot of people have said to reach out to the people that you know or find friends or find colleagues and then connect with them. You'll find, you know, the, the those who are new to the field will find people that they gravitate towards and will look for their expertise and such and to share and to be shared with um, different initiatives and programs. And I think that's so important. So thank you for that. Um, the other thing too, I wanna to comment on is, is I think it was a great intersection of story and data. It sounds like you had the data that was, you know, you, you were looking at the transfer of wealth data and then you thought, hey, we need some stories to go with us too. It just can't be data driven. 
because <laughs> data doesn't really move hearts, it seems like. <laughs> yeah, you, yes. <laughs> despite, despite those of us who love data and think it's fascinating, yeah, it's it's not really um uh it's it it's not um it has to be packaged in the right way, I guess. It has to tell yeah. a story. So yeah. um yeah, that's that's 100 percent correct. And that's a one thing that I think that um CNYCF does really well is that you know we we have you know, we put a lot of work into collecting and managing and, and um, understanding data. Uh, but we are just passionate about story um, across all of our, our programs. Uh, you know, that that's, we understand that that's how you reach people in a universal way. Uh, so whether you're talking about, you know, data points and, and translating that into this is how you can use this to take action or whether you're, uh, you know, sharing um, stories of, of your grantees or donors who've made an impact, um, it really uh, resonates with people um, because then they can relate to it. Exactly. I think data can only go so far, that's for sure. So where else, aside from talking with other colleagues and such across either nearby or across the country, where would you suggest um, fundraising development professionals get plugged in in the field? Um, I uh, belong to AdNet um, and full disclosure, I'm also on the board. So <laughs> so this is a shameless plug, but um I found a lot of value in, in being a member of that organization um, because it's so focused on what we do as advancement professionals in the community foundation field. Uh, it is a great peer network. Uh, I think that the, the conferences, you know, um, not only AdNet's conference, but, you know, other professional association conferences have been sorely missed over the past three years. Uh, that face-to-face -face interaction or sitting next to someone in a sec session and, you know, finding out that they also like T-Rexes, you know, <laughs> it's those sorts of like personal connections really help you build. Or obscure your, you know. books about, uh, so, you know, sophists or other right. philosophers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. They're out there, Eric. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, in a full disclosure, everyone, I was a philosophy major. So I, I am <laughs> I am just so impressed with your erudite uh, reading. So I, I'm, I'm blown <laughs> away. So, yeah. We'll see. We should sit next to each other at the next conference. <laughs> That's well, no, because I really didn't do very well in philosophy. But anyway, I got a degree in it. So, hey, yeah, <laughs> anyway. But um, so in, in uh, so with it, I think what you said about networking and such is so true. I think that is sorely missed. And I think that I would encourage, uh, you know, members of the field to go out and and try to see if if your shop allows these days to go out and be in person somewhere and, and you know, meet people and such. And so. Um, any other tips as far as within your own shop that you want to provide um, before I let you back to your busy day? Uh, you know, I, one thing that that comes to mind when I think about um, my development team specifically, and and also the the larger group, you know, the, the staff group at the Community Foundation, is that how we have worked hard to develop a fluid culture of working together. Um, we have, you know, four different, four distinct departments um, at the Community Foundation, um, but there's this sort of shared understanding that no one, no one does anything alone. 
um, and uh, that that sort of team and cooperative culture uh, really helps us get more done. And it's something that I'm really proud of um, at, at our shop. Um, it can be so easy to get lost in the weeds and, and um, you know, with the endless list of to-dos that we have, but um, we have, you know, people who, who are in the community foundation field care about um, their work. And uh, so that, that sort of common connection is, is something that I think that we can all um, build upon and take advantage of. So I can't let you go without delving in a little bit more. Like, what is the difference in the culture that allows this non-siloed approach, if you will? Mm -hmm. I think the fact that we, you know, we're only about 25 people um, helps. uh, But that's up from, gosh, I think like 14 people when I joined uh, a decade ago. Uh, and and, And we've we've maintained that, that culture, that, that collaborative and cooperative culture. It takes work. Um, it takes, um, humility, you know, um, being willing to admit when you're wrong, being willing to admit when you need help, um, being willing to, um, get up from your desk and go have a conversation with someone, um, instead of just sending off an email, because you've got a gazillion other things to do. Uh, and seeking out um, seeking out those commonalities, uh, not just in our work, but in our personalities. Uh, we spend an awful lot of time at the office, and uh, it's it's really worth it to uh, get to know the people who you work with and um, value them, um, and they then they'll value you back. Yeah, no, I appreciate that approach, and I think you're such a welcoming person. Um, and so very friendly. So I, I wish you all the success and I know you're going to have it because like I said, you've been successful for, for many years in central New York community foundation. And I just really, um, appreciate being a colleague of yours. So thank you so much. And thank you so much for joining me on the program today. It really was my pleasure, Eric. I appreciate it. I'm so very proud to have Monica Moranti join us on this uh, episode of Emergent CF, again, Senior Director of Philanthropic Services at the Central New York Community Foundation. I really described a little bit more about legacy and their legacy society and also their Black Equity and Excellence Fund. If you wish to find out more about those initiatives, I certainly encourage you to go on their website at cnycf.org. Or you can also look up Monica's contact information and reach out to her directly. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, too, is to look at the Emergency CF website uh, where you will find some events. Uh, you will find out information about the podcast. And then also there is a listing of groups. So anyone from 2164 that was mentioned by Joanne Cohen to Advancement Network, CEO Net, uh, the CAP program, Council on Foundations, and many more are listed there with information. Uh, If you like the podcast, I'd ask you to rate it. Go to your uh, wherever you subscribe your podcast and give us a rating. And also reach out to us at emergentcf.org, or sorry, emergentcf.com on the uh, website. You can you can also reach out to us there. There's a contact form, or you can just send an email, emergentcf at gmail.com. And thank you so much for joining me today on Emergent CF. This is Eric Wazampa. 